Welcome back to the second episode of One More Thing. See, I like that so much better than the first episode because when you introduce a, any kind of a podcast with one more thing, you would have assumed you've already said something, but I hadn't. So, oh well, we're moving on. Episode two. And on the cards for today, it looks like I got a couple of topics that I find very interesting to my life currently. And if you don't find them interesting, uh, that's okay. You can hopefully bear with me and we'll get on to something more interesting that you actually want to hear about in a future episode if these two don't interest you. But uh, on that note, if you do have any suggestions of topics that you want me to go over or things that you're thinking, man, I'd love to hear some random thoughts on that, then go ahead and leave uh, a comment on the SoundCloud video and that can help me because I can look through those and maybe pick a couple topics here and there uh, to, to look at at future podcasts. On tap today, we're going to look at some kids' movies, maybe some TV shows that kids are watching these days, at least the younger kids, and then we'll end up with a little grab bag of sports stories at the end of the episode today, so a little 50-50, kids, sports, if any of those things are sound good to you, then come on in, enjoy, uh, I don't know if you got anywhere to go, you can always just turn me off, or let it run, it's all good either way, um, so when you're a parent, you get to watch the same movies over and over and over again. And the movie that is currently playing over and over and over again in my house is Moana, which is awesome. No one knows how far it goes. Thank you. <laughs> my wife is apparently only going to be starring in these uh, from afar and with random comments like that. Moana, which is... Most of the soundtrack is written by Lin-Manuel Miranda, which is the same guy who wrote the Hamilton soundtrack and, of course, wrote, directed, starred in the entire Hamilton musical. So if you are a fan of that, I'm sure I'll get to that at some future podcast. But on this one, as far as Moana and the fact that it is consistently in my life, day in and day out, I love it. It's amazing watching my one-and-a-half-year-old and, and three-year-old kids singing and dancing and enjoying themselves while they're watching a movie uh, that really does have incredible story and incredible story, something to give back. Uh, it definitely is hilarious at times. Uh, the main character, one of the main characters, Maui, who is played by The Rock or Dwayne Wade, whatever he is calling it, or Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne Wade's trying to retire from basketball one of these days, right? Dwayne Johnson, who uh, plays this larger-than-life, literally, demigod, who looks at the uh, princess's sidekick chicken that ends up on the boat as she leaves and sees it as dinner, although the chicken does look like, as he calls him, a drumstick. So he's taking the entire movie, sitting there feeding this chicken to try to get it fat enough to eat. Um, you know, and obviously kids don't understand the gravity of that situation, but it's still hilarious for the parent that's somewhat watching the movie. But it is also trying to make sure that you're breaking up any kind of potential arguments like 
maybe one of the children is playing with the other children's blanket and you need to make sure that that's not going to cause a, cause an issue. You might have to find yourself some snacks to make sure that there's no uh, <laughs> um, conflict between the siblings. But it's funny when you're a parent, you barely get to watch the entire movie. So when you actually do see certain scenes, you're like, wow, I haven't actually seen that before. It's brilliant. Um, and Moana kind of is that way. So children's movies, why are they so awesome? Because honestly, the thing that I love best about Pixar, specifically Pixar, and I obviously, uh, many of the new uh, movie producers for kids do this pretty well, but Pixar, I think, does it best. They tend to make the movies for the kids, but then introduce about half of the content, maybe maybe a third of the content, has more, not adult content, but definitely more things that those kids have no idea what is going on, but it's still hilarious, right? So, um, and I think that those are, those are the things that make watching the shows tolerable uh, because you have to watch them hundreds of times, seemingly, because kids, when they're in the developmental stage, love to see the same things over and over and over again. And it's not that we don't appreciate that kind of thing. It's just that if I were going to pick a movie, I generally would not be picking the same one every day. So if I do have to listen to this movie over and over and over again, at least there's some random one-liners that quite honestly are hilarious throughout the movie. So Moana's a good one for the house right now. The other go-to for my son is Zootopia currently. He was in a Cars phase for a while. I think when, when he was really young, we started to get him into Inside Out, which I actually found to be incredibly interesting uh, because it's all the you know psychology of the brain and it's quite adorable to watch the interactions between the different personality types that are fighting within people's brains. Uh, also a pretty brilliant script. Um, and since I teach AP Euro, uh, every time I get to the surrealism component of AP Euro and Dolly and Picasso and Cubism and all that kind of stuff, watching the part of Inside Out where they jumble up the characters and they talk about how they're deconstructing makes it so much more fun when I'm watching it because I'm watching Picasso do the same things in his art and it's actually quite adorable as well. Um, which Picasso having multiple phases of art uh, his cubist phase for some people is kind of just meh because quite honestly, I get it. It's shapes and he deconstructed the painting, but it takes quite a good skill to be able to do it well. And he does it quite well. At least that's what we've pretty much decided over the last hundred years or so since Picasso's art has become really popular. But I don't know how I got to Picasso from kids movies. Uh, oh yes, Inside Out, deconstructing. Um, great movie. And then there was a Coco phase. We had a Coco phase for a while. My daughter loved singing the Coco song. So did my son. And of course, having our own dance parties in our living room, which as a kid, I was never a huge fan of dancing. But since I've become a parent, it's growing on me. Not necessarily all the time, but at least it's growing on me to be dancing with my kids, which quite honestly it's worth it, I guess. Um, the other thing you start seeing as a parent is with these movies on, or not movies, but shows on TV, 
shows on TV now, they have to prove to the parents that they're worth watching. And that's what I love about Nick Jr. because before every show that's designed for kids, they give you a synopsis of why it actually, as a teacher, it looks a lot like a lesson plan. And it's going to tell you about all the amazing skills your child will be learning while absorbing this content, which is brilliant. I mean, as a teacher, I appreciate it. I appreciate the effort. Thank you for putting in effort to make sure I knew that my son was learning cooperation through watching Blaze and the Monster Machines, which is awesome. I mean, quite honestly, if he does learn some cooperation and teamwork and all that kind of stuff while he's watching Blaze and the Monster Machines, all the more power to him. I love that my daughter enjoys some of the same things as my son, but her show right now, if it's not a movie, or Moana, is definitely Bubble Guppies. If you say Bubble Guppies, she's in. Bubble Guppies comes on, she's going to watch that thing like a hawk. And my son will tolerate the Bubble Guppies. They're okay. My daughter soaks it in, loves it. It's also her favorite book to read at night. When you put her down for bed, she's in for the Bubble Guppies. Let's find all the Bubble Guppies. Let's see what they're doing. Let's find the animals. She can recite all the animals to you. She can find them all for you. It's great. Um, and, you know, as a kid, I don't remember all of these things. I'm sure they existed. It's not like they never existed. I'm sure there were things that caught our attention and made, you know, being a parent fun when I was a kid. I just don't remember them. And obviously my perspective is changing. And if you're not a parent, you're probably bored right now. And I apologize. If you are a parent, you might actually see some of the things I'm saying as uh, things that you've dealt with over the last few years, depending on how old your kids are. I'm looking forward to, in the near future, going to sporting events and trying to figure out what that's going to look like for my kids and which ones they actually want to do and, and get into. I couldn't tell you what my kids want to actually do right now. Every time I stick a bat in my son's hand, he'll hit a ball real far and then walk away and try to find his motorcycle. So I have no idea what he's going to do. He'll probably be talented, but I don't know. Ruby, she's a little machine. She's going to do whatever she wants, that kid. She's a smart little one. She seems to just pick things up right away and remembers everything. The kid is like a sponge. Um, which I'm sure they all are at this age. And it just shows you how much more being a parent is so important. And I think one of the things I've learned over the past three and a half years since Colton was born is just how important your parents are and how important they are in the development of your children. That being said, you definitely understand why every kid is so different. Um, and you also understand that Parenting is not easy. Man, it is so difficult to deal with a three and a half year old that's sitting there and pretty much deciding that he's not going to see your viewpoint, no matter how many times you tell him or know what you're saying is correct. His three and a half year old brain is probably just not going to get it, at least not for a while. Eventually he comes around and then moments later turns into the best kid ever, ever made and it's like he has this ability. All kids, I see them all the time. They go from zero to 100 back down to zero in no time at all. It's like a light switch. It's amazing. Wouldn't it be awesome if us adults could turn on and off emotion that quickly? That would be excellent. I think you just heard my cat in the background right there. He agrees with me. 
I think he does. Or at least he just wants attention since the kids were born. He gets less. Unfortunate for him. He lets me know when he needs to eat. All right, we're going to move on from kids. We're going to talk a little bit about some random sports stories today. I get it. Some of you might never, never care about sports. So I'm just going to sprinkle them in there here and there. Give you some random highlights of things that I've seen that I think are interesting or at least worth some commentary. I don't imagine that you're tuning into one more thing just so you can hear a little bit of sports commentary. If you are, great. If you're not and you're here just because you wanted to hear something or have something going in the background while you're watching some television or Netflix or working out or mowing the lawn, I don't know, whatever you're doing. Hopefully this is filling you with at least something to think about and some cool topics. But I saw some interesting stuff in the news lately. Um, I was browsing my Twitter feed today and saw one of Marin County's latest, greatest superstars, Jared Goff, in the news for actually he had posted um, something from the Red Bull uh, cooperation he's doing that was him basically spoofing a college team, a JC team down in Southern California, uh, pretending to be their latest and greatest walk-on uh, that they were inviting to camp to see, you know, if he could make the team. And, you know, he comes in with these tattoos everywhere and long hair and all this kind of stuff. It's awesome. Uh, and watching him uh, just kind of needle these guys, you know, he comes up to the quarterback and he goes, hey, are you the kicker? Like just random stuff like that, right? It was great. And I totally, it's totally worth the watch. Um, I did retweet it. If you do follow me at, at jsearl24 on Twitter, you can find it there. Um, I'll see if I can find a way to post Jared's uh, Twitter in somewhere in the description, either on iTunes or on SoundCloud. I'll try to find a way to get it to you if you want to see it. But it was hilarious uh, seeing him do this spoof uh, on these guys and having these quarterbacks just sweat. But I just remember being a college athlete, and even though I went to a small school, and you know, baseball is a little different because in baseball, um, you could have a guy show up for a week or two and then end up leaving because of whatever reason. Um, and you know, you're your roster's big. You got, I mean, obviously with football, you have a big roster too, but I think that kind of a thing would work really well in baseball and, and football because, uh, you know, anytime you put time into a sport as a college athlete, you realize that the people that are walking on could be a variety of people. It could be a D1 transfer that, you know, washed out for a variety of reasons. And now he's here to take your job and you have no idea what's going on. And you're, skeptical from the very beginning and it was just hilarious to watch this playing out uh exactly how i had imagined it um in the short time before i actually watched the video because i remember multiple times guys coming in and my freshman year of college i had signed to play third base uh for the college that i was playing at and i played third my entire freshman year pretty much i was a terrible first third baseman i uh hated the uh, position. It was basically like playing goalkeeper in hockey, right? You're just trying to make sure that you're not having everything go between your legs. So you got to knock it down, throw the guy out. You got to deal with all kinds of sorts of stuff. I much prefer being in the outfield or first base places that were much more comfortable. But I remember a transfer coming in who was uh, a 
infielder. He was a shortstop or third baseman. And I was not like the typical guy that was sitting there going, man, I hope this guy doesn't take my job. I was sitting there going, man, I hope this guy takes my job so that I can have a better job. Uh, like maybe play first or DH or outfield or something that wasn't so terrible. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting to see how that dynamic plays out within college sports all across the United States. Um, and I'm sure I'll do some more commentary on college sports coming up. I do want to at some point talk a little bit about amateur athletics and what that actually means and how amateur it actually is. I guarantee you if you ask any person who's played college athletics, they'll rarely tell you they feel like an amateur um, or that they've been treated like an amateur. They're generally feeling like they've been treated like it's their job to go to school to play the sport that they are playing. Um, it's not that they're just there to hang out and have fun. Uh, that doesn't really exist uh, in amateur athletics, but we'll talk about that at a different time. I saw another headline that I thought was hilarious uh, the other day. Um, this one was more of a baseball headline. It's Brandon Belt sets Major League Baseball record, sees 21 pitches in at bat before lining out 21 pitch at bat. Any baseball player that's played the game at any kind of a high level will tell you that that guy is literally a legend. 21 pitches, you've literally ruined someone's night. And quite honestly, you've gotten so deep into the bullpen early in the series. I think this was the first inning that Belt saw this. The guy only got 77 pitches deep in the game. And really what they talk about in baseball, and I'm not going to bore you with all the details because I know half of you guys literally don't care on this one. Uh, you try to get those stress innings early on pitchers because it, the more stress innings you have in a row, that's what makes for a short night. And then you get in the bullpen and then eventually you win games or you win series is because you're in that bullpen real early in the series. And if you can do that, you're a legend. So your pitching staff loves you. The other hitters in the lineup love you. Ironically, Brandon Belt is like my least favorite giant, mostly because he is the strikeout king, but I get it. He gets on base. He sees pitches. And at least for that, I give him a little respect. So the other headline that I saw that I thought was pretty awesome um, had to do with... Uh, well, less awesome and more sad, I guess, is the Kawhi Leonard situation for the Spurs. It's sad. I mean, the, the poor guy has been hurt for a long time. And the Spurs have cleared him, and then he tried to get out there, and he didn't feel ready, and he tried to go back. And this becomes a serious issue. And in my opinion, this might be the end of his career. And I know that's a big thing to say, but... I'll tell you why I think that. And I could be totally wrong. He might rebound. He might. It might have nothing to do with this. But I'll tell you what I think. If you have an injury that is devastating enough to make you doubt yourself, you're done. The thing about athletics and everyone that's played a sport has this moment. Some people are more cognizant of what this moment is and some people are not. But there's always a moment where doubt creeps in. And for some of us, it's early. Some people just aren't good at certain sports and they figure that out early and doubt creeps in. I'll tell you what, when you're a baseball player, some people doubt creeps in super early. I mean, think about how many people play Little League Baseball. 
Everyone plays Little League Baseball. If you didn't play Little League Baseball, I'm surprised. But at the same time, we talk about the pyramid, right? The pyramid gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And eventually, by the time you get to college, significantly less people are playing. And then by the time you get to the pros, significantly less. And then the big show, significantly less. But you start with such a big pool of applicants when it comes to baseball players. And the reason I'm talking about this one is obviously I have the most experience with this one. When I got to college, I had my moment of doubt my junior year. My junior year, I ended up with the worst quad sprain uh, tear. It literally shook me. I had to deal with it the majority of my junior year. I got it early, uh, grade two tear, and I played the next day on it, and I played the whole season on it, and I'd spend four to five to six hours a day in and out of the training room just to prep myself so I could go back in and go back in and go back in. But what it did is it started to sow a little bit of doubt that maybe I'm never going to get back to being 100%. My sophomore year of college, I felt like I could do anything on a field. It was I was in the best shape of my life. Uh, I felt like I was locked in. Um, I never had doubt. I never walked to the plate with doubt. And then my junior year, after getting this quad issue... It didn't matter if I was actually better or not. Mentally, I wasn't. It wasn't the same. And then my senior year, when I blew my elbow, that just did me in. I remember I had a friend that played uh, big league baseball for a while. He played in the minors for a little bit. Tommy, he might actually randomly stop and listen to this. I don't know if you're listening, Tommy. Sorry, I'm stealing your story. But he's playing in the big leagues, and he knew the moment he was done. Uh, he told me, you know what, I looked at a fastball right down the middle, looked right at it, 95 miles an hour, belt-high fastball. I would always hit that ball about 500 feet, and I looked at it, and I walked back to the dugout, and I knew I was done. And I said, yeah, I know that feeling. I think all of us athletes know. Some of us learn earlier, some of us learn later. So... The reason I think Kawhi Leonard might be done is he may never get that feeling again, like he's invincible, like he's the athlete that he was when he came into the league. One of the things that made Kawhi such a great player was his athleticism mixed with the ability to kind of absorb all the information that Popovich was giving him. I mean, think about one of the best coaches in our history, in our current NBA history, and he's got this just raw athlete with unbelievable talent mixed with, you know, the, the later stages of Tim Duncan and Tony Parker. And it's the perfect breeding ground for success. But Kawhi gets this injury, and I think that there might be some doubt. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Hopefully there's not. Hopefully he gets back. Hopefully it's just physical and not mental. But the second you lose something mentally, it's over. You got it. It works. It's so much harder to get it back. So I guess if we're just pulling our one more thing for today, think about that. Mentally, how do we find a way to, to rebound when things feel like they're just 
going against us or we get that little bit of doubt creep in. We got to find a way to do it differently or find a different strength or find something that we can rely on. So I'll leave you with that. Thanks again for listening. If you haven't already done so, um, please, uh, you know, like the YouTubers say, like, subscribe, comment, all that kind of stuff. If you want to leave a review on iTunes, please be kind. Uh, and on SoundCloud, uh, anywhere you're, you're viewing this or listening to this, or if you're just taking out the trash or doing a workout, hopefully my 25 minute podcast is good for you and I'll see you soon. That's episode two and we'll see you later. Wow, 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 wow.